As we come to the last little bit of the, be- the Beatitudes together, um, I got some of you to do a little survey as you came in. Uh, so let's have the results. I think 16 of you did it. Uh, let us see what the results are. Da, da, da. As a little trumpet, just in case you were missing Nigel. Uh, so, are Christians persecuted in the UK? Not really. Six of, six of you? Yes. Another six. A bit. I thought I'd put that one in you. Just, you know, just non-committal. No. One. Uh, that puts the favour, uh, nine votes are on the side of yes or a bit. Um, I can't tell you what the answer is to that, but um, I just thought it might be a fun way to start. Uh, as we come to this, uh, to land on this series about being blessed, I want to remind you that it's not a feeling. That this is not about uh, a kind of this overwhelming sense of, yes, I've been so blessed, it's amazing. This is not a state of mind. This is a state of being. It is who we are in God. As... um, as I was putting the last bits of this together and Phil was doing the prep on this, we, we were both landing in the, in the same place, which was to start uh, the service with some of the open doors stuff, uh, which is why we started as we did with that kind of uh, set of praying. Um, I'm not really going to talk about um, worldwide persecution. But I do want to just unpack a little bit about where we might be at as a nation, where we, where we are and what is going on. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking that there are, you could probably widen this out to at least three different ways of being persecuted. The first one, um, uh, you will rightly pick me up on and say, Mark, that's not persecution. That's okay, I'm, I'm aware it's not. I think the first one that I would put on the list is uh, spiritual persecution. What I mean by this is spiritual attack. The second one is the really overt one, the physical one, and that's the, a lot of the stuff that the Open Doors team uh, work with. Does anyone know anyone who's gone out with Open Doors on one of their trips? Yeah, anyone actually been on one and de- taken the Bibles through? Or gone on one of their tourist trips to North Korea, uh, just to, you know, just to see. Um, I've got a number of friends who have done that and they've, uh, been into North Korea and have prayed around North Korea. It is an incredibly oppressive place. There's physical persecution where you might end up in jail. I don't think we've got a lot of that in this country, have we? Not a lot, no. Or none. And then there's something which is a bit more subtle, which is the social one. And I'll talk about that in a moment. 
the spiritual one is um, almost more of an aside. I, I think Meg and I, when when we started out, kind of uh, leading uh, things in churches, Christian uh, weekends away, or youth groups, or or and kind of getting into kind of that stuff, we we realised that there was something else going on. And um, it becomes even more acute um, when you uh, become a vicar or if you're trying to write a talk, um, looking at Rachel for next week, uh, which is that um, the, the run-up to the talk or the leading of something significant, you can just frankly have an absolute spiritual battering. And if you're doing it every single week, then also what happens is you get the not just the Saturday night or even the run-up of the whole week. You get the Monday morning as well afterwards. Um, so do pray for the folks that you know lead youth groups, lead home groups, uh, do all that kind of stuff. Because quite frankly, when you stand on the front line, you you end up with having an absolute battering. We've had we've had occasions where the children have been vomiting all over the place at night. Uh, it's been quite exciting on occasion. Uh, and I think what we've learned to do is to go, ah, oh, okay, it's going to be a good one then. <laughs> Come on! Uh, the problem is when we don't get to that quickly enough. You know, and you get overwhelmed by this kind of wave of, frankly, a, a spiritual battering. And I think I'd put that in loosely in the persecution uh, thought because, frankly, I, I think the devil will give us as much of a hard time as he possibly can when we're standing up for him. In this country, on the whole, you are not openly attacked in the streets for your faith. You're not locked up in prison for having faith. But you know what? The temperature is rising. There are court cases in this country being fought at the moment on the issues of what is allowed to be taught in a classroom? What can be worn at work? What does the Bible mean and how do we interpret it? Are we free to share faith in the workplace or not? There are court cases going on at this moment on those issues in this country. I mean, the fact that we don't just get carted off and put into prison doesn't mean that there's not a battle going on. And one of the things that makes it worse is the way that social media works. I am pretty careful about what I put on social media i i do try when i'm when i'm on i'm hardly on facebook now but when i do put something up i try and make it overtly christian if i can and you know unless it's just a random holiday snap in which case it's just a random holiday but if you know i'm not afraid to put those things on on facebook when i post which is about once every 6 months um, but a few years ago i did put something else up Something that was in the press at that time. And I, I just put it up because I thought it was the right thing to do. 
And in fact, I still think it was the right thing to do. But the response was immediate and angry and aggressive. And this was from people who I counted as friends. I mean, I, I don't quite understand how it happened, but because, uh, because it was on social media, I think people just kind of felt it was okay just to make a comment and trash me. Um, so I took it down. I wonder how you are with the social media stuff. I wonder whether you have got any nervousness about what you post. Can you just put a hand up in the air if you've ever posted something and ended up being trolled for it? Anyone? A few of us. So that either means that you, most of the rest of you, uh, never put anything up that you'd be willing to, that you might be trolled for, or, or something else. But it happens and it happens pretty regularly. It's actually part of something much bigger. It's part of a 500-year move to compartmentalize the Christian faith into something that is private so that we are no longer allowed to have a belief that affects what we do in public, that it should be just something that is locked away. It's part of a systematic unpicking of the heritage that we have in this nation so that it becomes watered down and ineffective. Question. Would you, right now, on whatever social media that you're on, would you be willing to simply put, I am a follower of Jesus Christ? Would you do it? Depends who you've got as your friends. You do it in public. Great. I wonder whether you would. It's one thing to kind of link to something. It's one thing to kind of uh, share a, a really great Christian video. It's another thing to say directly, this is me. This is who I'm choosing to identify with. I wonder how your Facebook or Instagram crowd would respond. If we do ever get hassle, the hassle comes, according to this passage, because of righteousness. And remember that righteousness is not something that is earned. It is not something that it is a, that is earned. It is a free gift because God is good. And what he wants to do is make us good. And that's his work, not ours. We've received it as a gift. The encouragement, I think, in this passage is to continue to live as one who is blessed. To continue to live in that state, not as a feeling, but as a state, as an identity in Jesus Christ. 
Verse 11 says this, that if you are persecuted because of me, and then what should the response be? The response should be that you rejoice. You know, a bit like Meg and I sometimes having a hard time if one of us is standing up the front or doing doing something significant. And the response is, right, come on then. And we want to give thanks and we want to rejoice. What's your default response if you're given a hard time for your faith? Is it to rejoice and to be glad? You know, the passage says this as it goes on in the, in the last couple of verses, that we have a reward. That we have a reward that's coming to us. It is about being with God the Father. In a place where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more mourning. But, James chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because they've stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, this is not a new idea that we might receive a hard time. Jesus got persecuted. It's a pretty heavy word. The prophets got persecuted. People in this country have lost their lives for their faith in previous generations. But the gift, the gift in this moment is righteousness. And the gift is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, a number of us have um, been away this week to New Wine. Um, give us a wave if you were away at New Wine. Uh, yes! There were about 40 plus of us away, I think. Um, and uh, our time was cut slightly short because apparently it was going to be a huge storm. Uh, in the end, there was a sort of a biggish storm. Um, but anyway, they sent us all home slightly early, which is always always a little bit disappointing. But one of uh, one of the folks on the Thursday night on the on the radio said, uh, "Actually, what we have to do is we have to trust that God has done all He needed to do." And um, I don't know about you going to those kind of things where you're where you get outside the local church and you see something bigger. But one of the reasons why I go and I encourage you to come and join us next year as well is that actually what it does is it gives me a reset. It realigns my thinking and my living with who God is. It reminds me who he is and what he's up to. It reminds me, because quite frankly, over the course of time, I forget. I forget just how good God is. And I forget what he's up to. My thinking and my living gets dulled over time. When... um when we first used to go, I would, uh, especially um, once I'd, I'd started in this role, I'd, I'd come back with kind of uh, carrier bags full of full of books, and uh, you know, you place the order online to to get the, all the CDs or the tapes, and uh, then I used to order the MP3, so you get the whole lot just on a USB key. Um, now, when I go, you know, all I'm looking for is one thing. 
I'm looking for one moment, listening, praying, for one moment where I, where I hear the fresh word of God. Have you heard his voice recently? For me this year, it was just about keeping it simple. It was that reminder that what God has called us to is incredibly simple. We're to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. So, I put a picture of a bus up with some people sitting on it. I um, I think the tough thing is this, is that while as Christians in this country we are not yet at the point of being thrown in prison, I think there is something very serious going on. And it's that the bus is going in the wrong direction. The bus is going in the wrong direction. It's got the wrong destination on it. We're supposed to be citizens of the Most High God. And the problem is this, is that half the time we find ourselves sitting on the bus as well. We find ourselves taken along in the wrong direction. And you know the thing about buses is, is they go there slowly. Because they've got to stop everywhere. So you might not even know that you're on the bus. You might not even be realizing that something is changing in this nation. You might not even be thinking uh, that something different is going on. You know, when I was growing up, do you know what the killer issue was? It was whether or not, on a Sunday, we as a family could go round the corner to buy milk at Circle K. I mean, you know, Circle K is a shop for those of you that weren't alive 20 years ago. I don't know whether they're still around. I haven't seen one years. That was, that was, you know, that was the only thing that distinguished us from everyone else. Now, now the list has got a bit longer, but you know what? The bus is still traveling slowly. Because the thief wants to steal and kill and destroy and he wants to rob us of having fullness of life in God. He doesn't want us to behave as people who are blessed. As people who are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And so I, wanna, I want us to do something really, really simple this evening. I, I'm just going to invite you to stand. You know, it's a way of, it's a way of simply saying, Lord, I, I, I'm not happy with being on that bus. So I'm going to choose to stand. To choose to be a witness for you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I'd love us in this place to pray. And then I'd love to pray 
but as a church for as many of us as possible, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, that choice to stand is about just to say, Lord, I I want you to set the agenda. If we could have the band back up, I as we're standing together, I just want to I want to pray a passage that you that you will probably know, and I want to pray it over you. And so this is us all all praying together these words of Paul and as you make your choice to stand so let me pray finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power As you stand, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your, stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I pray for you and for me that when we speak, words may be given to us so that we will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I pray for each one of us that we would declare it fiercely, fearlessly, as we should.